The Wurundjeri people take their name from the Woiwurrung word Warren, which means the manor gum, and Jury, the grub which is found in or near the tree. Wurundjeri are the Wichity grub people, and their ancestors have lived on this land for millennia. I would like to pay my respect to Elders past and present and extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders living around Australia. Welcome to Weekend Birder. I'm Kirsty Costa and I'm a teacher, conservationist and lover of wild birds. Today you and I are joined by Anne McGregor who is going to share her love of the Merry Creek and watching birds through the seasons. Here is how Anne got into bird watching. Way back many years ago, um, my parents bought a property in the Dandenong Ranges with a big garden. They were very keen gardeners. I was an only child, so what was I to do? Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to start gardening, was I? I was about seven or eight, and there were some, you know, quite a lot of birds in the garden. So I started looking at them. An uncle of mine was actually a member of the Bird Observers Club of Australia then, or maybe it was even Victoria then. He found out I was looking at the birds, so he joined me up as a member of BOCA, the Bird Observers Club, which was really nice of him. And, and so that sort of enhanced my interest, I guess. I've been looking at birds more or less off and on ever since then, yeah, different in different places. Anne is here to share her knowledge and stories of one of her favourite birdwatching spots, the Merry Merry, which is also known as the Merry Creek. It flows for 70 kilometres from Wallen, which is in the north of Melbourne, until it joins the Arrow River at Dites Falls near the centre of Melbourne. Merry Merry Creek, it should be two Marys, means Rocky Creek in, in Woiwurrung language, the language of the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional owners of the Merry Creek catchment and much more besides. So they looked after the, the creek and all the country in the catchment for obviously many thousands of years. European settlers arrived. People moved up the Mary Creek quite early on in the 1800s and started clearing the trees and, and uh, developing farms, dairy farms and sheep grazing country and so on. And, and then that was closely followed as Melbourne grew by uh, industries. So creeks and rivers were considered very handy drains in those days. There were no sewers, so you just tossed your way wastewater or your rubbish or your refuse into the creeks. It quickly degraded the water quality. I think it was probably really smelly like the Yarra by the middle of the 1800s. Most of the native vegetation had been cleared in the in the lower sections of the Merry Creek near where it flows into the Yarra at Abbotsford. It was quite degraded and that lasted um, what through most of the 20th century or a lot of the 20th century. It became invaded by weeds like fennel which was pretty dense and almost overhead height and it was still considered a dumping ground. If people had something they wanted to get rid of, they just took it down and dropped it in the creek valley, including old cars, stolen cars and burnt out cars and <laughs> wrecked cars and all sorts of other junk. But it was in the 1970s that people started to realise that we could do better. There was more interest in more parkland for people to have go for walks or enjoy a picnic or whatever. And there's inner northern Melbourne suburbs didn't have a lot of parkland, but there was this sort of public land along the creek corridor which had been degraded and neglected and overgrown. Some very adventurous children used to play down there, but not many other people went and visited the creek. And in the 70s, a number of local groups got started with either picking up the rubbish or campaigning against the freeway reservation which ran down the creek valley, planting native trees or indigenous trees and shrubs along the creek in, in places. So that was the beginning of its restoration and that, that restoration has, environmental restoration has continued for the last, um, well, 40 years. So, and that's still going, there's still more to do. <laughs> the Mary Mary is an important waterway for animals, plants and people. 
For example, the area where the creek meets the Arrow River, known as Birarung in Woiwurrung language, continues to be a significant gathering place for Wurundjeri people. The creek is also important for other people living in the area. Socially, it's important because, as I mentioned, those inner suburbs, suburbs like North Fitzroy and Northcote and East Brunswick, Coburg, Thornbury, are relatively disadvantaged in terms of parkland, public open space, and the creek corridor is a really valuable open space because it's linear, because people can walk or ride a bike for quite a long length along the creek and enjoy an escape from the, the suburbs because it's of its bushland nature now. Ecologically, it's also very important because it starts up in the Great Dividing Range, it flows for about 70 kilometres, so beyond Wallen, quite a lot of bird species actually move north-south through the seasons and they come over the Dividing Range. There's a, there's a little gap called the Kilmore Gap. It's a bit lower there, the, the ranges, and so they can move south down the creek valley through the northern suburbs and, and get to the Yarra River and go east along the Yarra or uh, west towards the bay. It's quite an important corridor for that reason. And, and other mammal species and so on can move along that corridor too, but not as regularly as birds that have seasonal migrations. In previous episodes of Weekend Birder, we have heard about how people form groups to care for important bird habitats around Australia. Anne is part of one of these groups, the Friends of Mary Creek and she has been conducting the group's volunteer bird surveys since 2008. During this time, she has learnt a lot about the birds that live in and alongside the Mary Mary. There's a few groups, I mean, the very broad groups, like obviously the water birds that, that live in the water, or the um, the lakes like Coburg Lake or Edwards Lake, which is actually on a tributary, Edgar's Creek, a tributary of the Mary. So you've got the ducks and the cormorants and the moorhens and grebes, uh, herons, kingfishers. And then you've got the bushbirds, which have moved in since the the revegetation work has matured and so there's lots of trees and shrubs and ground cover now for them to live in. So things like the honey eaters and the um, the insect eaters like the grey fantail or golden whistler pardalotes that glean in the in the eucalypt canopy. They eat the lerps on the leaves. One of the really favourite species I think along the area are the tawny frogmouths. I don't know whether you'd call them bushbirds but they, they roost in the trees and feed on in open areas at night. Then there's the raptors, the birds of prey that come to feed on those other birds. <laughs> there's a number of them. Further north from the Craggyburn area, there's the grassland birds. So Mary Creek catchment has a lot of significant native grassland remnants and birds like um, pipits and skylarks and some of the finches live in those grasslands. You can learn more about tawny frogmouths in Weekend Birder Episode 9 with Marion Weaving. Let's pause for a second because you may not be familiar with pipits and skylarks. The Australasian pipit is found across Australia and also overseas. It is found in open country from wet heaths to dry shrublands and the grasslands that Anne was just talking about. It can be tricky to see because its brown body, which is about 16 to 18 centimetres tall, is so well camouflaged. You'll notice that it has a pale creamy white stripe on its eyebrows and also below its cheeks. Its underbelly is creamy white and spotted and its breast has dark streaks. Its wings and tail are dark brown with the outermost feathers a white colour. The Eurasian skylark is also known as the common or English skylark and it was introduced to Australia from Britain in the 1850s. It can be found in South Australia, Tasmania, Victoria and New South Wales. It is really easy to get the skylark confused with the Australasian pipit because they look really similar. So one way to tell them apart is that the skylark has a pale ring around its cheek and it also has this cap-like crest at the rear of its head. Another way to tell them apart is by listening to their call. Here's the pipit. Anne, 
And here's the Eurasian Skylark, which is really famous for its song that it often makes while flying high in the air. Many thanks to Mark Anderson for sharing these recordings on the Xenocanto website. Anne has learned a lot about these birds by watching the Merry Merry through the seasons. Springtime is pretty exciting because the, the spring-summer migrants arrive. So we've got birds like reed warblers, which very sensibly head north for the winter. and They don't like our cold winter. They come back to breed in, um, in southern parts of Australia and if they can find some reeds in the Merry Creek, they'll uh, nest in amongst the reeds. And they're very vocal. You, you know when they're around, so it's easy to tell when they've come back. The sacred kingfish is another one that also goes up to Queensland or even beyond Australia for the winter and comes back to breed along the creek. And then obviously a lot of other birds are busy breeding in spring and they're pretty noisy too. They're calling to, to establish territories and maintain territories and attract mates and so on. So it's a pretty lively time in the spring. And then um, as summer wears on, you, you can see the young birds becoming independent and moving out from the nests and their, and their parents. You might see the raptors chasing the extra birds that are around. And in drought times, in fact, it's quite interesting that cities like Melbourne are now becoming a refuge for quite a lot of bird species. If it's really dry inland or, or even just over the divide, there's more water put on gardens and there's, there's still probably water flowing in our creeks and rivers. And so a number of species might come into Melbourne in the summer just because there's more food and water about. And then in autumn, we actually get some birds coming down from the mountains where it's getting colder and colder. So flame robin, beautiful bright red, scarlet red bird, they come down to the grassland plains, so the, some of the native grasslands in the middle and upper Mary catchments. And silver eyes. Now silver eyes can be seen, the little little birds that often come into fruit trees, they can be seen year round, but some silver eyes actually come across from Tasmania. They're tiny birds, but they fly across that straight. They decide that Tasmanian winter is too cold for them, so they come over to Victoria. And apparently you can tell the Tasmanian silver eyes because they have a much browner flanks than the, the mainland residents. Autumn and winter are generally much quieter in terms of bird calls, but so you might have to look harder to find birds. But in, in the winter, a lot of the native shrubs like grevilleas and corias are flowering, and so the honey eaters like the eastern spinebill and the um, New Holland honey eater are quite common along the creek. We also seem to see the spiny-cheeked honey eater coming in in places, not not right along the creek, but some places in the um, colder months. There obviously must be some food supplies, some flowering shrubs or trees that they like. So, yeah, it's changing through the seasons, which is why we do our surveys four times a year to try and pick up on those, on those changed populations. But of course, there's a lot of resident birds that are there year-round. Anne says that a great way to grow your knowledge of local birds is to join a group like the Friends of Mary Creek. Well, Friends of Mary Creek was set up in 1988, so we've been going quite a while now. We're basically trying to continue and expand the ecological restoration of the creek and its tributaries and the significant places that the native vegetation that's in the catchment as well. And we have all sorts of activities from water quality monitoring to um, education events, walks and talks and tours. And we write lots of submissions and letters to strategic planning processes and things like that. We, um, of course, run bird surveys at 10 different sites four times a year. Beginners, birders are most welcome to those bird surveys. And we try and count the birds, which is a bit challenging, estimate how many birds we've seen as well as identifying them. So to help beginners particularly, we've produced a little colour brochure with the most common 
few dozen birds that we're likely to see, not just on the Merry Creek, but across northern Melbourne. So it's a little bit more manageable than the sort of 700-odd species in the Australian field guides, which are a bit daunting. There's lots of other ways to get involved in Friends of Merry Creek. We have weedings and planting days and, and so on very frequently. There's a, there's a very busy events calendar on our website. Like many weekend birder guests, one of Anne's favourite birdwatching tools is her binoculars. I can't do much without my binoculars. My, my eyesight's not really good, and so they're a must-have for me. My daughter, who's a very keen birder, she'd say, you don't have to have binoculars to be a birder. Obviously, you don't. I mean, anyone who enjoys wild birds is a birder. So you don't need fancy binoculars or a fancy telescope or anything. But, yeah, I've got a pair of, they're not super expensive. I've had them for 20 years, maybe, 15 years at least, these binoculars, and they've really done well. 8 by 42 is the magnification um, eight times, so sort of wider field of view is really important for keeping birds within the within view. It's, it's called Celestron. I don't even know if they're still available. I think it's a Japanese brand. Start learning the birds around you in your backyard or your neighbourhood. Get to know them. Get hold of a field guide and, and put names to the birds and learn their calls because it's so easy to say, oh, that was a blackbird or that was a um, noisy miner just from their call and you don't have to actually go and find the bird to know what's around. And if you can find a friend or somebody who can help you identify them rather than you having to pour through the field guides, (laughs) that's really helpful. And that's why our, our surveys, we do try and help people with identification. You can learn more about binoculars and how to use them in Weekend Birder Episode 5 with Anthony Overs. Many thanks to Anne for sharing her smarts with us. And many thanks to the volunteers at the Friends of Mary Creek and anyone else who is caring for the Merry Mary. After this episode finishes, you're welcome to read the show notes or visit the Weekend Birder website to learn more about the creek as well as pipits and skylarks. Happy birding. Happy birding.